Hi, everyone, and welcome to Food Disruptors, an IFT podcast that brings you the latest insights and perspectives from some of the brightest minds in the science of food. Each episode, our guests discuss the ever-changing intersection of entrepreneurship, innovation, and science, and their role in advancing the global food system. Today's episode is a follow-up discussion about the winners of the Seeding the Future Global Food System Challenge, which provided over $1 million in award money this year. The goal of the challenge is to inspire and support passionate, diverse, and multidisciplinary teams to create game-changing innovations that will help transform the food system to be more sustainable, make healthier diets more accessible, and empower consumers to make choices benefiting both personal and planetary health. The challenge provided three levels of awards to incentivize food system innovations at different stages of their development. And today we're speaking with three of the $100,000 growth grant winners. I have Shanu Saran at FSF Institute in the US, Corey O'Hara at the International Development Enterprises or IDE in Nepal, and Catherine Kalelu from the African Center for Technology Studies in Kenya. And we're, of course, we're also joined by Bernard Van Lengrick, whose foundation, Seeding the Future, initiated the funds and the challenge. Thanks everyone for joining me today. I know you've stepped away from other obligations and appreciate your efforts in coming together across the world, really. So Bernard, I wanna start with you. In, in the last episode, we talked with you how inspiring it is to see just the range of innovations that were represented among challenge applicants. And I'd like to follow up on that because part of the goal of the challenge is not just the innovations themselves, but their potential impact. Tell me a little bit about what you're thinking about the long-term impact that this program could have. Yeah, thank you, Matt, and good morning, everyone. Uh, let me first say that I'm really excited to be here today and like to congratulate our growth grant winners of our first inaugural Seeding the Future Global Food System Challenge. I'm very thankful that you can join us all today on this podcast. As you pointed out, Matt, at the very core of the challenge is to seek and reward innovations that are focused on impact at scale, as well as what we call the innovation focus area. And this focus area is at the intersection of three domains that are overlapping, like in the Venn diagram. The first domain is safe and healthy food to enable a healthy diet. The second domain is related to sustainable practices and to minimize food waste or food loss. And the third domain is to empower and enable consumers to make more conscious choices about what to eat to benefit their health and the health of the environment. With, with impact at scale, we mean that we like to reward innovations affecting as many lives as possible over a five, 10 and 15 year time horizon. This would be possible, for example, by either multiplying the innovation that have been originally applied to a few local communities, to many, many communities in a broader region, or in one or more countries or geographies. Or it can also mean to scale the size of an innovation to a large industrial scale. So impact at scale is an important criteria for our foundation and what our foundation is striving for. Our moonshot goal is to positively affect the lives of 1 billion people over the next 20 years. And we see our global food system challenge as one of the paths to achieve this goal. We do know that to some, this might sound like a very ambitious goal. And our response is that, yes, it is very ambitious, but we also believe that it is, uh, it's very achievable. 
If an innovation is enabling a healthier and more sustainable diet, if it empowers the consumer to make more conscious food choices, if it's also economically feasible at scale, we can expect that with the right nurturing and support, it will grow exponentially over time. So in terms of lives of people being affected, let me give an example. If, if such an innovation is affecting 10,000 lives in the first three years, it might affect 100,000 lives in the next three years, and it might affect 1 million lives by the next, the next three years. And by year 12, it will be 10 million. By year 15, it could be 100 million and so forth. So for truly transforming innovations, affecting 1 billion lives in 20 years, it does not need to be out of reach. So in our global food system challenge, uh, if, if this challenge continues to be able to identify and bring forward uh, so high quality and impactful innovations like what we hear about today, like the growth grand winners, I'm very optimistic that we can, that we can achieve this goal. Absolutely, Bernard. I, I love the, your vision for this and, and just the impact that you're hoping to have. And, you know, I'm also very optimistic that, that you'll have this impact, uh, you know, in the next 15 years or so. It's great. Now, I want to dive in and talk with um, some of our winners, which congratulations to all of you. This was an incredibly uh, competitive round of funding, as from what I understand. And so congratulations to all three of you and really looking forward to learning more uh, about your organization. So uh, let's start with Shanu. If I understand correctly, the FSF Institute is a partner to food and agriculture enterprises helping them build their business while improving nutrition outcomes for low income and underserved communities around the world. Um, but you're doing this um, with a connection to the black soldier fly larva. So I, I'd love to learn more about the FSF Institute and, and that connection there with the larva. Sure, Matt. Um, thanks. And I guess first, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whoever, wherever we are. Um, I'd also like to just take the opportunity to congratulate all of the other winners because, I mean, this was an intense but fun challenge process, if we can say so. It's an honor. My name is Shana Saran, and I'm the Managing Director of Country Operations at FSF. And um, Food Systems for the Future Institute, aka FSF, was founded with the vision of a malnutrition-free world where environmentally and economically sustainable food systems provide regular access to affordable healthy food for all people everywhere. How we do this is we leverage our team's deep sector expertise in food supply chains to policy, to impact investment and so forth. Uh, we leverage our network of advisors and institutional partnerships, and we look to partner and invest in innovative food and agribusiness enterprises. And like you highlighted, this is to fill the key gap in food security, nutrition, always targeting underserved low-income communities with the triple bottom line coming in play around generating sustainable, measurable, scalable impact, as well as commercial returns. We provide five wraparound services as FSF, namely business acceleration, policy support, nutrition knowledge, partnerships development, and hybrid capital to reinforce these systemic challenges faced by these enterprises. The Institute maintains one mission. However, we have two operating systems in the US and Sub-Saharan Africa. For this challenge, we focus on our work in in Sub-Saharan Africa, Rwanda. The government of Rwanda has identified the poultry and feed industry as a development priority, both commercially and from a nutrition perspective, which was confirmed by our market research as well. 
What our research highlighted further was that the costs for animal protein in Rwanda were limited due to the availability of the product. The key contributing factor to this being the high variable cost of animal feed, i.e. what the chickens and the fish are eating. Soy in particular is the key ingredient in these lovely meals eaten by the chicken and the fish and is imported into Rwanda results in a higher production cost. It actually constitutes 70% of the costs of that final egg that you eat and ultimately results in higher retail prices the minute the price of soy goes up. And as a matter of fact, if we look at the prices of soy, they've almost doubled over the past five odd years moving into Rwanda. So this continued increase in feed price threatens the viability of the poultry and fish farmers, commercial operators, resiliency in this space, the affordability of animal protein. In some places, it has resulted, especially during COVID, in the mortality of their layers, aka hens, because they just couldn't afford the feed to feed the hens. This is where the magical black soldier fly lava, uh, aka BSFL, comes into play. While black soldier fly lava is in its early stages in Rwanda, and I would say rather in the region and possibly even globally, if I can go as far as that, it is proven as a full or partial substitute for protein in animal feed. Most of the enterprises in Rwanda working on this are operating on a very small scale with backyard farming as their, as their model and very labor intensive practices. For us as FSF, we saw an opportunity to unlock animal protein consumption in the Rwandese population by helping to bring down this overall cost through bringing down the cost of feed, aka black soldier fly lava again. So through a partnership with Afia, a Rwandese early stage uh, black soldier fly company, Protex, which is the European leading Dutch-based commercial producer of black soldier fly, we are establishing at-scale commercial production in Rwanda to provide an alternative protein supplement in animal feed. We also bring together in this the government of Rwanda, both the ministries of agriculture and environment, um, the largest animal feed companies and commercial poultry operators to begin with. Interestingly, our founder, Earthrun Cousin, actually will be in Kigali next week with the CEO of Protex, Case Arts, and they will be finalizing all of these plans to kick off the operations on the ground. So I'm crossing my fingers and the timing of the IFT grant couldn't have been any better. Uh, note that with the innovation like Black Soldier Fly Lava, we not only make nutritious food more accessible, we also encourage circularity of agriculture and organic waste. Basically, that's what the flies eat, while ensuring less dependency on imports of expensive grains for a landlocked country like Rwanda. By the end of this grant, we would have the first commercial production um, of Black Soldier Fly in the country leading to what we hope is, a, not, not what we hope, we are sure and certain, leading to the setup of an attractive investment opportunity in the sector in the country. That's wonderful. And it, I mean, you're really, you, you see the problem and you get to the, the root of it. You have to follow the whole, you know, food value chain all the way from that end product to like, oh, what, what are the animals eating that are giving us this product? And I think that's just such a, a wonderful approach and, and very innovative. And thank you for telling us about it. I want to turn now to, to Corey to talk about IDE because um, somewhat similar to the FSF Institute, IDE's mission is to power entrepreneurs and poverty by creating income and livelihood opportunities for poor rural households. 
In Nepal, you're working on introducing biofertilizers to improve vegetable production. And you know, if you could just talk to us a little bit about the role of biofertilizers and how they're innovative in, in IDE's mission there. Thanks, Matt. And um, first, I want to say congratulations to the other winners. Uh, these are really exciting projects. We at IDE are actually really interested in the Black Soldier Fly. So I'm really excited to hear uh, about everyone's experiences on this grant. But biofertilizers are not new to Nepal, but they are still new to most Nepalese farmers. Uh, in this case, we're promoting trichoderma, which is a beneficial soil fungus that enhances plants' absorption of nutrients from the soil. But it also naturally protects plants from harmful soil pathogens. So it's also a kind of biopesticide. IDE introduced trichoderma production to Nepal a few years back. Our, our specialty is business development that helps small farmers and the rural poor. So we helped to establish a Nepalese company that now produces trichoderma on a commercial scale. And we help them to establish supply chains that can reach even remote farming communities. But the big innovation here is that we're incorporating this beneficial fungus into compost. Nepal has a huge fertilizer deficit. We don't even have about half of the fertilizer that our farmers need to be able to produce and to be able to maximize their yields for their crops. And vegetable farmers generally don't have access to any kind of synthetic or other fertilizers like you would see in other countries. You'll see them applying raw, raw cow manure to their fields when they have access to it, but that's really about it. There's some understanding of worm compost here, or vermicompost as we call it, but farmers typically make just a little for their own home gardens, not nearly enough to address the needs of their commercial vegetable crops. So what we're doing is we're helping farmers in three different communities to establish commercial scale vermicompost enterprises. Trichoderma, inoculating that compost with trichoderma helps to speed up the composting process. So we expect each of these communities to be able to produce around 15 tons of compost four different times per year. The farmers in these communities will obviously use this for their own crops, but they'll also be able to sell any of the remaining, uh, remainder to farmers in nearby communities for a profit. Most importantly, though, we've done some field testing and found that what, what we're calling trichoverma compost increases yields by about 15% compared to more typical compost that you would find here. And the healthier plants that this produces are less susceptible to disease and pests, which means we can also expect to see less use of other chemical inputs as well, like pesticides. The construction costs for this whole effort are pretty minimal. So once the enterprise training is complete, it should be pretty straightforward for the communities to expand their production over time. So eventually, if this is as successful as we think, I expect to see each of these enterprises scale up their efforts year over year. The compost is obviously really valuable in a country with so little fertilizer, and the worms are also a valuable secondary product. So by the end of this project, we'll have enough data on production, prices, input costs, and construction and management costs to put together a robust business plan and a training package that we can uh, adapt to other communities all over Nepal. We'd love to help overcome Nepal's, Nepal's fertilizer shortfall. And our vision is to help Nepalese farmers to transform their own farm and household waste into nutritious food for their families and communities. That's great. And what I love about both the, the black soldier fly larvae and the, and the trichoderma production that you're working on, I mean, I think it's so interesting that both of those kind of take the seemingly minute piece of that whole stream of, of product that actually is sort of like a, a kink in the chain that if you can straighten it out, could potentially open it up for more equitable and, and affordable production. So I think that 
these are really, really interesting approaches to solving these issues. Now, I, I want to turn now to Catherine, who is with the African Center for Technology Studies, which is a pioneering development research think tank that works on harnessing applications of science, technology, and innovation to deliver solutions and inform necessary policies and investments for sustainable development in Africa. Catherine, you worked on applied policy-focused research activities with, with the center. And I would love for you to tell us about the action research on scaling up solar drying in Kenya and how it links more broadly to Sub-Saharan Africa. Thank you so much, Matt, for the introduction. Um, I, I also want to extend my congratulations to uh, the fellow winners of, of this uh, grant challenge. Uh, it's, it's very exciting to be uh, in, in the company of such great minds. So um, I, I think uh, the, the ideas that uh, uh, the different winners are pursuing are also very much of interest to us. Uh, and I also want to thank uh, IFT and the Seeding the Future Challenge funders for, for granting us this award. Uh, just to give you a little bit of a background about who we are as ACTS, um, as you mentioned, we are a research and policy think tank uh, that uh, we have been around since 1988, so uh, over 30 years of, of uh, working through research. Uh, and our vision as, as a, an organization is uh, knowledge for better livelihoods. So we believe that there's great opportunity for, for solving the challenges that we face uh, as a continent, uh, because we operate in, in Africa, uh, through science, technology, and, and innovation. So we currently have presence uh, in 25 countries in, in, uh, in uh, the whole of the African continent. And uh, we pride ourselves for conducting research that is applied or has some application to solving a particular challenge. So we not only generate knowledge uh, uh, or innovations, but we also play the role of brokering um, that knowledge to make sure that it gets applied. So research into use is, is a key mantra of the work that we do. So we do research, uh, um, white space research, but we go beyond just the white space and, and, and really try and get, whether it's a proof of concept uh, into, into the market, uh, whether it's a technological innovation, whether it's also institutional or organizational innovations. And we work through four main programs. We have the Climate Resilient Economies Program, we have uh, science, technology, innovation, and knowledge systems. Then we have the digital economy program and then agriculture, food, and nutrition security program. Um, so the agriculture, food, and nutrition security program uh, under which uh, this challenge fund is going to be implemented and, and which I lead seeks to work through uh, multi-stakeholder partnerships uh, with other researchers. Uh, we also work with private sector. We work with government agencies. Uh, we work with community groups and non-governmental agencies to really conduct what we see as cutting-edge applied science, technology, and innovation research, then do the brokerage of, of the innovation and uh, uh, with the aim of informing policy choices, uh, uh, targeting investments, so in using our research evidence to, to guide how investments can be targeted, and also to, to just inform interventions uh, that seek to accelerate uh, sustainable, inclusive agri-food systems transformation so that we can enhance food and nutrition security in the region. So um, the motivation for, for the scaling up 
solar drying project that we submitted for the Grand Challenge seeks to contribute uh, innovative solutions to reducing the high post-harvest loss uh, issue in, in Africa. Uh, current estimates indicate that we lose uh, up to 50% or even higher uh, of our food because of uh, poor uh, handling or uh, poor um, infrastructure. And so the, the, the level of uh, food loss Kenya has been estimated to be equivalent of about 500 million annually. So that's a big uh, dent in, in our food, food, um, food, food basket, uh, considering uh, if we look cumulatively in the continent, there's about 248 uh, million Africans who remain undernourished. So uh, addressing post-harvest loss is, is very key in addressing food and nutrition security in the region. So we have been working on, on uh, different solutions around um, post-harvest loss and solar drying is, is one of the solutions that we seek to scale up. We also see that um, post-harvest loss is not only about food and nutrition security, it's also about loss of incomes for especially the majority of smallholder farmers that uh, uh, lose a lot of their, of their produce that, uh, uh, after toiling so hard to produce it. But it's also uh, an issue of climate, uh, the effect of climate. Uh, data suggests that um, post-harvest loss, post-harvest loss in the agriculture sector accounts for about 1.C uh, gigatons of uh, greenhouse gas emissions annually. So uh, looking at uh, solutions to address uh, post-harvest loss is also, uh, we consider it also as part of uh, the, the mitigation of uh, climate change. Uh, so. The title of the project or, uh, or the, what uh, the project is about is about um, scaling up uh, solar drying uh, to reduce post-harvest losses, but we see it more as an opportunity for supporting inclusive climate action ent enterprises. So we see that there's opportunity to reduce uh, post-harvest loss, but we can also do business as we reduce post-harvest loss. So um, acts in partnership with uh, uh, Kenya Industrial Research Development Institute, uh, the United Nations Environment Program, uh, in collaboration with private sector actors, uh, have been working collaboratively since 2017 to try and develop uh, proof of concept for uh, low-cost solar dryers, because a lot of the technology that's in the market is still uh, still needed to be refined, but uh, also some of it that uh, is imported into into the Kenyan market is, is very expensive for, for most smallholder farmers to, to afford it. So, um, so since 2017, uh, we, we've been working especially with uh, UNEP and, and one of the private sector uh, uh, partners of, of the project who is a social enterprise to really uh, look at how we can uh, fine tune some of the designs of low cost uh, solar dryers uh, so that we can also improve on uh, traditional drying practices, uh, which have always had issues with, in regard, with regards to the quality of the product that they produce, uh, including contamination that happens. So, so the fine tuning of the technology is where we saw the opportunity. Uh, but beyond the technology, we also saw opportunity of, of, of developing solar drying as a business. So this is the, the innovation where we see that solar drying can, can also provide opportunities from different perspectives. So um, uh, using the ecosystem-based approach to supporting sustainable inclusive agri-food systems transformation, 
we have been championing, um, we have been championing a concept called uh, Ebafosa, which means an ecosystem-based approach to food systems uh, adaptation. And um, with the uh, proof of uh, proof of concept stage of, of uh, the solar drying uh, project that we had before, uh, what we were looking at is how can we develop a whole innovation ecosystem uh, that can support uh, the development of these low-cost uh, solar dryers, but also provide them with a market for, for drying. Uh, so growing the, the, the market for, for dried food products that is increasingly uh, opening up new opportunities for, for smallholder farmers. So um, with the innovation ecosystem idea, the idea is uh, how do we work with young people, especially uh, um, uh, uh, young men, but also women, uh, to, to really skill them or reskill them and retool them with, uh, with uh, capacities so that they would be the ones who are uh, fabricating the solar dryers. And so in this way, we are also creating employment for, 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 for the youth. Um, then the next stage of, of, of the intervention was to really test the technical robustness of these low-cost solar dryers uh, in terms of understanding their functionality, uh, their efficiency, and the quality of the dried products that we get out of them. Uh, and another dimension of the innovation is to really promote collective action in the sense that uh, rather than promote every smallholder farmer to buy a solar dryer, uh, we work through uh, uh, smallholder farmer groupings like cooperatives uh, or just farmer groups, uh, but also um, um, youth groups and women groups who can then acquire these solar dryers uh, through their collective and then operate the, 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 the dryer uh, as, as, a, as a joint asset. So the idea is uh, um, trying to uh, free up the... the, the uh, investment that you would expect one smallholder farmer would put in buying their own dryer. So uh, once they, they, they acquire it collectively, uh, what we see is that they are able to now uh, rally their members to come and use uh, this facility and the members uh, would then pay a small fee uh, for, for using this, this uh, solar drying facility. And then they open it up to other non-members who can also bring their, their produce for, for drying. So, so that really has, has uh, started to, to build momentum. And, and um, uh, it means that now uh, the business opportunity for, for, for solar drying, solar drying technology, but also solar, solar drying as, as, a, as a service uh, has, has really expanded. And this is where we now uh, see uh, value for, for this growth grant, uh, where we'll be scaling up through action research to really deploy this uh, solar dryers uh, commercially. And, and commercially, we mean that uh, previous, uh, in the proof of concept stage, the, the solar dryers were, were, were not uh, acquired commercially. So they were not being sold to the groups, they were being given as grants. But we think that uh, the, the market is maturing and um, commercial deployment uh, uh, would be the best way to, to really scale up uh, this, this innovation. Um, so to, to enable us to scale up, uh, we, we are looking at different financing models. Uh, how, how do we uh, make sure that, uh, you know, uh, people can afford to, to acquire these uh, solar dryers, uh, even as we continue to fine tune them uh, in ways that do not necessarily have to, to mean that they put uh, uh, 300, 3,000 US dollars upfront, but they can pay it 
through installments or through uh, different financing arrangements that uh, we want to, to test out. So uh, the financing is is the new new element that uh, we brought into into this uh, in, into this scaling up project, and then the other one is like I said, um, the technology uh, through the proof of concept stage. The te technology works, but we still see areas where we can we can improve, especially on the issue around uh, all season drying, where in some regions the solar is not consistent throughout the year. So we are looking at ways we can really fine tune uh, the technology that we developed initially to make sure that it can be used uh, throughout the year. And, and then we have also bundled uh, another element to, to, uh, to the commercialization of, of solar drying by saying that we can provide also technical support to improve um, because the solar drying business is also uh, an agro-processing business. And, and one of the challenges that we see uh, a lot of the players in, in, in drying are very small, uh, informal uh, enterprises. So we want to provide support in terms of uh, their technical capacity to uh, uh, produce better quality products, to innovate around new products for the market. And, and uh, so we provide that technical support and, and ensure that the enterprises can, can, can even be upgraded into uh, more formalized and, and maybe also gr see growth in, in the way they, they, they do their business. So um, our focus is, is uh, on healthy foods uh, because uh, we, we see also a gap, a nutritional gap in, in a lot of uh, rural communities, especially around micronutrients uh, due to very low consumption of, of uh, fruits, vegetables, and even other uh, roots and tubers that have uh, uh, um, important micronutrients. So the the drying uh, is focused on on these healthy healthy foods, and we we to grow the market we we need to to really uh, work on the consumer element of of, of uh, who eats uh, dried products and and you know in what forms. So understanding the consumer market a bit, and so this is the additional element that uh, we have brought into. Uh, into the, the proof of concept as we take it to a commercial level. So I'll stop there, but um, yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for that overview. I, it's definitely a lot of complexity to the, to the project and an, another great approach to sort of start to tackle some of these, some of these bigger issues. I, I want to circle back and ask everyone, you know, what winning really means to you and, and how, this grant that that you've won will impact your organization. So, so Shanu, you're, you're up first. Um, what does what does winning winning mean to you here? Well, I guess the bottom line is women and children are consuming more eggs and fish, and it's affordable and accessible. That would be like the purest bottom line, right? Um, mm -hmm. But with this grant, what it provides us is the opportunity for FSF and Afia to take black soldier fly lava from a sort of small scale research intensive project of AFIA to a commercial nationally serving facility. Well, we will use these funds of the grant primarily to further the technology development while not compromising on like nu nutrition value or taste of the eggs or fish, i.e. working with the target communities and to expand the facility operations on the ground. The result from this particular phase would be leading to the raise of investment funds to launch a full-scale facility. And if I may say so, as large and advanced as is currently in Europe, 
thanks to support from uh, Protex. And in turn, also unlocking the opportunity to invest in and viably work with the entire poultry and animal feed value chain. So we really see this as a ripple effect, looking at Black Soldier Fly, from that looking at feed, and from feed really unlocking the entire value chain, like you had said. I think Bernard alluded to this in his opening remarks that some of this might seem like a long shot or an insurmountable task. However, I would say for like FSF and our partners, this work in Rwanda, we truly see it as like serving as a center of excellence and a model that we can replicate across sub-Saharan Africa, because this problem is not just in Rwanda. It just happens to be where we will start. So, yeah. That's great. It definitely brings sort of the, you, you need to see, see the, the trial, but it's the high reward at the end in, in terms of uh, implementing this in, in more places is definitely, definitely a great goal. And um, that's wonderful. Corey, let's, let's move to you. What, what does winning mean to you in this, in this case? Well, Matt, I, I think for IDE and just like for the others, I think this is really hitting, this growth grant is hitting a sweet spot. We're a nonprofit organization and we rely on grant funding for a lot of the core work that we do. But most grant funding is available for um, early stage innovations or for pilot projects or else it's for very, very large projects. Um, but for us, this global food systems challenge came at just the right time. We'd identified a game changing solution to the fertilizer gap for rural communities in Nepal. And we'd already done the important field testing that showed it would increase farmers' yields. So this grant is now enabling us to take the next step to do a full proof of concept that's helping several thousand families. And it's also giving us the chance to prove a business model that we can replicate with other communities and agricultural cooperatives throughout Nepal. Our whole team is really excited about the potential for scale of this project. And I was just out in the field in Surkhet district meeting with the first community where we're implementing the work. And let me tell you, they are even more excited about its potential. That's great. I think we're all very excited about it too. And Catherine, going back to, to you, what, what does winning mean to you and your organization? Yeah, so I, I think uh, just like uh, the others, um, our vision is, is really to contribute to the grand challenge that uh, we, we, we see uh, the continent facing, uh, our local communities facing, and in this case is, is really the huge uh, post-harvest losses that are impacting on the food and nutrition security of, of, uh, of uh, especially rural communities. So ultimately, we want to reduce that, uh, like I mentioned, we have uh, up to $500 million losses uh, in, in the food system because of uh, post-harvest loss in, in Kenya. So we, we see this as something that can really begin to, to close that gap and, and, and reduce uh, such huge losses for, for a country like Kenya. We, we really think this would be game-changing. Uh, ultimately, we also said that uh, we want to see solutions that can also uh, contribute to economic development, uh, especially of rural communities. We want to support young people uh, to, to get opportunities for, for doing business or to be employed uh, because of the huge unemployment rates in, in, in rural communities in Kenya, but also the limited entrepreneurship opportunities that are presented to, to young people. So we see this as something that can really contribute to that. And uh, uh, for, for us as, as an organization, we, we see that this gives us the, 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 the opportunity to, to, to be able to do this uh, and, and, and take this solution to scale 
uh, through not only um, bringing the, the, the proof of concept to uh, a commercial, uh, commercial level solution, uh, but also we see it as a way that we a, a way of leveraging uh, additional resources uh, to to be able to really meet our ultimate goal of uh, we have put ourselves put a goal for for deploying up to 500 low cost solar dryers in in rural communities in Kenya by uh, 2027 in five years, and so um, we want to to really see how how this this grant then attracts other partners attracts. Uh, uh, additional resources, uh, especially public resources, uh, because there, there's um, uh, some uh, business case to make for for public resources to be deployed differently. We we also see it as an opportunity to generate the needed evidence to address uh, some of the policy bottlenecks that we we've already identified, especially around uh, lack of standards for solar dryers in in the country. So so this is the evidence base that we will use to 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 really. Uh, make a case for maybe standardizing the technology and standardizing uh, uh, the kind of um, solutions that are out in the market. And and uh, since uh, uh, we are a research and policy think tank, we believe that, you know, uh, science has to have impact. So uh, this has allowed us to to take the science really and, and take it to the market and, and, and show that and demonstrate that we can we can leverage science and, and begin to solve the solutions that we face uh, in the continent. So that's, that's ultimately what we want to do with, with this grant. So thank you. Excellent. And congratulations again to, to all three of you and your organizations. Bernard, I want to turn to you to close us out. So I understand that the challenge winners are invited to participate in IFT's annual meeting this year with a virtual roundtable discussion. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, Matt, thank you. Um, before I do that, I just wanted to say thank you to Shanu, thank you to Catherine, and thanks to Corey for bringing to life what they're working on, what really makes us proud. But, but also we are looking at this uh, in a very humble way is potential of the innovations uh, looking out. And um, I think there, there was no better, no better way uh, you had put it, um, Shanu and, and, and Catherine and Corey, what this challenge is about. It's about innovation and it's about impact. And I really wanted to say thank you for uh, bringing this to us uh, today. Now, with respect to the uh, next IFT annual meeting, uh, we are very excited about uh, this because we will be having a hybrid format this year and have the ability to bring these amazing innovators together for, for a roundtable discussion and to share their work and insight with the global audience. And um, we're planning to have this discussion facilitated uh, in a way so that the audience around the world can also interact with uh, the panel ask questions and also network. Uh, in addition, uh, we plan to have um, a brief pre-recorded presentation in IFT session, uh, which will be in IFT's browsable library and, uh, and then accessible to everyone uh, independent of time. So it's a very exciting new format uh, for this event. We are looking very forward, very much forward to it. So uh, thanks again. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I, I speak for a lot of people. We're, we're definitely excited to, to learn more from these winners and, and also see um, this really exciting format for the new annual event. 
Um, well, thanks again, all of you for joining me. And to our audience, if you're enjoying Food Disruptors, please let us know by leaving a review on iTunes or by connecting with IFT. You can find us at IFT on Twitter and by searching the Institute of Food Technologists on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks for listening to Food Disruptors. I'm your host, Matt Teagarden. Have a great day, everyone.